I read a verse this morning that says this. I'll read it to you. It's in Psalm 119. I read about... uh, How many of you heard of Blaise Pascal? Quite a few of you. He actually memorized Psalm 119. And uh, he... uh, he said this about verse 59. He said that it was like the, the turning point. And uh, he says this in Psalm 119, verse 59. says, I have considered my ways and have turned my steps to your statutes. But that's not the verse I want to talk about today. Uh, mentioned today is verse 63. He says, uh, the writer says, I am a friend to all who fear you, to all who follow your precepts. So he's, he's talking about you know, our friends, and, and some versions say companion. Those who we kind of get along with are those who fear the Lord and follow His Word and who love His Word. That's why we're here together, to, because, because we have a relationship with God. We love the Lord. We fear Him in a sense of awe and reverence, and we, we want to follow His Word. We open up His Word, and, and uh, you know, I don't know if you get this, uh, if this comes through at all, but I love God's Word. And, and I, my heart is that you would love God's Word as well, that, that you'd see the treasures, the, the incredible beauty, the, the, the depth of what is, is uh, found there in His Word. Uh, I, I, just, I just know that so many times we can get so distracted on con- all kinds of other stuff in this world and we miss out on the, on the things that God has for us. Uh, Chris sang about the table you know, where we come to the table that the Lord has, you know, he, he, He's got a meal for us waiting, and he, he feeds us through His Word, and it's just incredible. So all that to say Psalm 23, we're still in Psalm 23, and I, and I don't apologize for that at all because, because I, you know, I thought about this. I thought, well, I, I'm sorry that I'm, you know, working on this so long, but there's nothing to apologize about it because it is so deep. Psalm 23 is so absolutely uh, incredible. And, and, again, I, and again, I challenge you to memorize it. I really challenge you to take time. There's only six verses. Uh, if if Blaise Pascal can memorize Psalm 119, which is uh, 176, I think, uh, verses, we can memorize six verses. That's like, you know, uh, something that you and any one of us can do. But, but, but I was thinking about this, too, and one of the things that I believe <clears throat> is that uh, music and songs obviously help us, right? And so I'd like you to memorize Psalm 23, but I'm also, uh, I started working on this, I'm, and I'm not done yet, but I'm working on some music to put to it to help us to memorize it. So hopefully... Uh, I don't want to play it up too big because it might not, uh, you know, it might not uh, work out that great. But you, you never know. With songs, some of them are, you know, they're okay, and some are just like not okay. <laughs> Psalm 23. Let's look at it. Let's read it together. The Lord is my shepherd; I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me by the still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. 
Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup runs over. Surely goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Absolutely incredible. Last time we looked at Psalm 23, we, we looked at uh, this idea here. Even though I walk through the darkest valley or the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil for you are with me. The fact that the Lord is with us, that he hasn't left us on our own. It's just incredible. And, and the idea that he's with us, he's along with us, he's by us, he's in us, he's tied together with us. David, in, in the, this verse 4, he switches from uh, speaking about the Lord in third person to speaking to him in the second person. He switches to the you at the darkest point. He has this relationship with God. He says, you are with me, not he is with me. That's okay, and that's true too, but you are with me. He's speaking directly to the Lord. He's got this relationship with God where he's speaking directly to him. And, and throughout Scripture, we looked at a whole bunch of passages where we saw that, that this is, this is a, a, a key factor of our relationship with God, that he's with us. He hasn't left us on our own. Psalm 46 says, The Lord Almighty is with us. Psalm 118, the Lord is with me, I will not be afraid. Isaiah 41, do not fear, for I am with you, the Lord says. Isaiah 43, when you pass through the waters, I will be with you. When you pass through the rivers, when you walk through the fire, he's with us through all the different trials and troubles of life. And this passage I've got here for you, Hezekiah was talking, and they were facing a very big battle. And this is what he said to the people. He said, there's a greater power with us than with him, the enemy. With him is only the arm of flesh, but with us is the Lord our God to help us to fight our battles. He's with us. He's, he's with us in the battles. He's with us in all the different times and, and things that we face in this life. Now, I have a question for you today to kind of look at uh, what we're going to talk about today, this idea of comfort. Any of you need any comfort? Ever need any comfort? You know, in the trials and the troubles that we face and, and, and just the pain, the grief, just, just stuff that happens. Do you ever need any comfort? Where do you go is the question. Where do we get it? This word comfort, if you think about the English word, it's a, you know, it's a compound word, com, fort, and, and uh, it really means kind of with, and fort is just like our fort, with strength, or fortify, you know, we have words that, that talk about that. So comfort is like a strengthening in the midst of all the things, it's support, it's, it's of course consolation, it's to make us feel better, obviously, but... Where do we go to get that? Comfort food. Why do, you, why do we have potlucks? You know, how many of you after, you know, an awesome meal, you feel like really good? There's something that, that takes place, right? 
There's some kind of endorphins or some kind of stuff that goes on, and you have this, you just have some, and, and, and when you eat stuff you're not really caring about, you know, it just doesn't, it doesn't work, right? It doesn't happen. How about southern comfort? Some of you know what that is, right? Southern comfort. We go to, we go to alcohol. We go to drugs. We go to things to try to find that comfort that we, that we so want. We got our comfort zone, we got our comfort clothes, right? You, you go home, I, I'm gonna be comfortable and get into my comfortable clothes. You know, we're not, we're not big on suits and ties, although my grandson uh, has a tie on this morning, like I, well, I don't know what's wrong with him, but it's into him. But, but, you know, so we're pretty comfortable already, but when you go home, you maybe get even more comfortable. There's all these different things that we have but, but what I want to point out to you today, what I want to focus in or focus on today is what's found at the, the last part of verse 4. He says, your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Now, that doesn't sound too comforting to me, but we're going to talk about that. We're going to break that down. What stands out to me, though, is this, is from the beginning to the end, that the Lord is involved in our lives as His people, as His sheep. He's involved in, in our lives. He knows, he knows each one of us by name. We've already seen that. But, but you know, we saw that in, in verse 4. He says, I'll fear no evil for you are with me. It's not just some nebulous or benign presence. That means some uh, presence that just doesn't do anything. He's very active. He's actively involved in our lives. Now, we're not always aware of it. We're not always thinking about it. But that doesn't change the fact of it. How do we know that? We know it because the Bible tells us. It declares it. It, it opens our eyes to, to what he does and how he does it and what, what his involvement is in our lives. So here it says, you are with me and your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Your rod and your staff, they bring comfort. I think, I think one of the things we have to understand first is that he cares about us. It kind of puts it in, into perspective. The whole thing uh, that we're going to look at today puts it into perspective. Is, is He does it because he cares about us, because he loves us. He loves you. He cares about you. So these two things he talks about here in, in, this, in this part of this verse, he says, your rod and your staff, they comfort me. These two things. So let's break it down. Let's, let's think about what this is. The rod, uh, someone kind of put this together. We have these two sort of uh, uh, images. You have the rod, which you know, was kind of a shorter thing, and, and some felt like they would keep that in their belt, and they'd have that there in their belt. And then the staff, a kind of a longer thing that, that could have like a crook at one end, and, and you, we all are familiar with pictures of that and, and that. So he says these two things are, are going to bring comfort. They bring comfort, and David said, they comfort me. They bring me comfort. Very personal. He says, you are with me, and your rod and your staff, they comfort me. So let's think about this first, the rod. This, this rod, and again, uh, it, it was used by the shepherds, and they would use it in a lot of different ways. They would actually use it to even count the sheep as they went into their 
uh, sheepfold at night. They would use it to rescue the sheep, to protect the sheep. The literal word literally means a branch off, right? So that's, that's how we kind of get the idea that, you know, it was like a stick or some kind of a branch. But it, it's translated, uh, it's used 190 times, but it's translated 34 times as rod, okay? Ten times it's translated as scepter, so it's also a, a symbol of authority. You know, when, when uh, you know, the, the kids do something, you say, get me the wooden spoon. And, you know, oh, did I say that? We, we joke about it. I, I, you know, my grandkids, I'm with them sometimes, and I, and I say, get me the wooden spoon. And one of them is always quick to go get it. You know, one of the other kids, right? And then, and then uh, you know, they shape up or whatever. And we, we would joke about it because have I ever actually used it on them? Well, no, but I get it and threaten them with it. But there's something about authority, right? There's something about this rod of authority because he's the Lord God, the Almighty God. We'll talk more about that, that in a second uh, of of discipline. In Psalm 45, it says this, Your throne, O God, is forever and ever, and the scepter of your kingdom is a right scepter. Your scepter is a right scepter. He's got the authority, and he's got the right to have the authority because he is the creator. So this this rod now, we're going to kind of look at this in two different aspects because it's used in two different aspects, I think, in the Scripture. Number one is for protection. You know, the sheep, they did not fight the wolves themselves because they couldn't, right? What are they going to do? Bah! And the sheep and the wolves going to, like, laugh, you know. So the shepherd had this rod, right? And what he could do was to fight off the predators, to fight off the enemies. And, and I think throughout the scripture, we see that if God is for us, who can be against us? If, if you're one of the lords, you belong to him, he's going to fight for you. And I have to say this, that he has got a very big stick. Don't you think? The creator of the universe, God is going to fight for me. He's going to fight. He's got a, a stick that he can take care of me. We find it over and over and over in the scripture. It says in Exodus uh, chapter 14, it says this. Uh, Moses answered the people. He says, don't be afraid. Stand firm and you will see the deliverance the Lord will bring you today. Look and just stand and watch and see what God will do. And then he said this, he said, the Lord will fight for you. The Lord will fight for you. He said, you need only to be still. You need to be still. Let the Lord fight. Sometimes we're, we're out there fighting. We're trying to do it all ourselves. And God said, just be still. Would you be still and know that I am the Lord? I am God and I will fight for you. Deuteronomy do not be terrified. Do not be afraid of them. The Lord your God who's going before you, he will fight for you. It, this, this happens over and over, these scriptures talking about God is going to fight our battles for us. We need to remember that. 
He says, your rod and your staff, they what? They comfort me. To to know that God is for us and that that he is fighting for me, there's some some comfort in that. There's some strength in that, knowing that that I I don't have to do it all. But God can, can do it for me. In uh, Deuteronomy chapter 20, it says, When you go to war against your enemies, you see horses and chariots, an army greater than yours, don't be afraid of them because the Lord your God, who brought you up out of Egypt, will be with you. So there's this idea of his presence, right? He's with us, but he, he isn't just there with us. In verse 4, it says, The Lord your God is the one who goes with you to fight for you against your enemies to give you victory. He's not just with us, but he's there, he's there to fight for us, to, to, to fight for us. One more passage about this protection found in 2 Chronicles. Don't be afraid. Don't be discouraged, for the battle is not yours, but God's. The battle is not yours, but God's. And sometimes, you know, it's okay. In Psalm 119, there's a passage that talks about, you know, he's talking to the Lord and he says, remember what you have said. And sometimes it's okay for us to say, God, this is your battle. Remember that, you know, I'm waiting. I'm, I'm, I'm trying to be still. I'm in the middle of this, but this is your battle. Will you, will you take this? Will you deal with this? Sometimes we... We need to remind ourselves, but maybe even remind him. So number one, he says, you're riding your staff, they comfort me. Number one is that he will fight for us. And if God be for us, who can be against us? He's going to fight for you. He's going to fight for me. The second thing, and, and I, I, I've already alluded to this a little bit already, is this idea of discipline. Now you say, well, you know, comfort from discipline. I get the part where, you know, if he's going to protect me, he's going to fight for me, there's some comfort in that. But in discipline, there's some kind of comfort? Is that true? You know, you know what the parents always say, you know, this hurts me more than it hurts you. I'm doing this for what? For your own good. I'm doing this for your own benefit. There's something about discipline. Someone said discipline is security. I think it's true. One, one man said this. He said, the shepherd's rod and staff are sources of comfort, protection, and guidance. He said, whenever necessary, he may use the rod for correction also. But I like this last thing. He said, most sheep need this ministry from time to time. Most sheep need this ministry from time to time. <laughs> Not you, of course, right? Me, sometimes. From time to time. But, but, but we need this ministry of correction, this ministry of discipline. Why? Because we're, we're human. We, we need to be corrected. You know, I, I, I alluded to this. Proverbs, Proverbs has a lot to say about this uh, idea of discipline and this idea of correction. He who spares the rod, same word, what? He hates his son. But he who loves him is careful to discipline him. That doesn't mean now, folks, let me make this clear that we get a big giant stick, you know, the bigger the better, like a baseball bat, and you beat your kids with it. No, that's not, 
what it means. There's an idea of discipline. And the Lord doesn't discipline us with a big stick and beat us with it. But, but He has the authority to discipline us in different ways that work, right? And we all, you know, with your own kids, you know, uh, every child is different. They have to, you know, be treated differently, disciplined differently. But, but the idea is because... You love the child because God loves us for our good. He is careful. He who loves him is careful to discipline him. Psalm 94, he said, Blessed is the man you discipline, O Lord, the man you teach from your law. There's something blessed. David's talking about comfort in being disciplined, that the Lord would correct us and and bring us to the right place. I wish I could say that, you know, none of us would ever need correction. I wish I, would, I could say that none of us ever need to be disciplined, but you know what, we're, we're just like God's children. And, and we go and we, you know, we get off track. We get into places, into things that we should not. And He is perfectly able and he has the right as our father to take care of that, to take care of us, to discipline us. The problem is we don't really like it. We don't really want it. Said in Proverbs 1, he says, fools despise wisdom and discipline. In Proverbs chapter 3, it says, do not despise the Lord's discipline. Do not resent his rebuke because the Lord disciplines those he loves as a father, the son he delights in. You see, that, that's the thing is he delights in you. He delights in me. And so for him to just see us, you know, uh, going in a, a wrong or a bad direction, for, us to, to, to let, for him to just let us go that way, there's not a lot of love there. How does he do it? Well, he does it in a lot of different ways, but I think you and I need to be open to that correction and, and say, Lord, you know, correct me and, and, and help me and, and keep me on the right path. Proverbs chapter 5, he said, You will say how I hated discipline, how my heart spurned correction. Sometimes we hate it. And, and, and you know, I can rem- still remember as a child when I was, you know, when, when I'd be corrected, uh, I didn't like it. How many of you just loved it? Yeah, get the belt. No, yeah, mom, put me, uh, you know, on restriction. Yes, yeah. No, we don't like it, but you know, it's good for us. It's right. We need to be corrected. We need to be brought into the right path. And sometimes that's the only way we're going to do it. You can't really reason. I have found I tried with a two-year-old. Let me explain to you. If you, you know, do that, then, you know, this would happen. And, and, you know, it's not really a good thing. And they just, they kind of just do it anyways. So you need to correct them in a a way that's appropriate and, and, and that works with that particular child. How about, how about this one? I'm not sure if I put it up there. I think I did. Whoever loves discipline loves knowledge, but he who hates reproof is stupid. <laughs> I didn't even know that was in the Bible. You know, we teach the kids, you don't call someone stupid. You know, don't, don't say stupid. But it's in the Bible. 
What? He who hates reproof is stupid. You, you have no knowledge. Interesting, isn't it? Proverbs 15, he who ignores discipline, when God's trying to correct us and we ignore it, it says he despises himself. He despises himself. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Your protection and your correction. They bring me comfort. Why? Because they show me that, that you love me, that you want to take care of me, that, you, that, that my life matters to you. There's some kind of comfort in that. In a, in, a, in a family where the parents don't discipline the children at all, there's some kind of a sense that, you know, they don't really care. Well, do whatever you want. It's okay. But when there is a proper sense of correction and discipline, there is a, there is a sense of comfort, there is a sense of security. Like, they really love me. And maybe we don't appreciate it at the time, but, but usually we figure it out. Hey, that was the right thing. I understand that now. Hebrews chapter 12, he talks about it quite a bit. He, he, he says, you know, that a father will discipline, correct his son because he loves him. But he, he says, you know, but we had earthly fathers that would do that, but, you know, they're just earthly fathers, and they, you know, they don't always get it right, and it, it is a difficult job to be a parent. I totally get that. And we don't always get it right, but, but he goes on and he, and he makes the illusion, the, the connection to your heavenly father will always get it right. And any correction that comes from God is going to be right. It's going to be good. He knows us. He knows what's right for us. Revelation chapter 3 said, Those whom I love, I rebuke and discipline. So from the beginning of the Bible to the end, there, there is a sense that because of our sinful nature, because of our, you know, our ways, sometimes we need to be disciplined, we need to be corrected. But God always does it because of his love for us. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. So what about the staff now? Let's think about that for a minute. The staff, you know, the rod for protection, for discipline. Uh, the staff, though, really, if you go to this particular word, the, the root meaning of this word is support. That's kind of interesting. Well, you, you, I mean, you can think about it when, if you have a staff like that, right, you, you kind of hold yourself up and support. You know, if you, ha if you use a walking stick, I should have brought one. A friend of mine made me this incredible walking stick, you know, and, uh, uh, you know, I don't use it too often, but, but it, you know, it gives you this support. So the root words of this word staff are really support of every kind, uh, uh, something you lean on, something that you trust in, that you rest upon. And so this idea, he says, your rod and your staff that, that I can lean on, I can trust in, I can find support. So the first part of 
the staff is this idea of support. Now, this same word, just, just so you know, is found in Proverbs uh, 3, uh, verse 5. Anybody know what that says? Trust in the Lord and lean. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. So it's the same word there for lean, but it's the negative, right? Don't lean. Don't grab a hold of your own understanding, but trust in the Lord. And so he, he's saying here, you know, you're riding your staff. Your staff, I can be supported. I can find comfort in that. Psalm, Psalm 18 says this. I love these verses. And again, uh, this idea of delight is found in He rescued me from my powerful enemy, from my foes who were too strong for me. They confronted me in the day of my disaster, but the Lord was my support, or He was my staff. And He brought me out into a spacious place. He rescued me because He delighted in me. The Lord was my support. He's going to hold us up. Always, He's going to hold you up. I don't know how often, uh, you know, I need that, but it's fairly often where, where I just need God to hold me up. Hold me up. Second Chronicles, uh, Asa called to the Lord his God, and he said, Lord, listen carefully. He says, Lord, there's no one like you to help the powerless against the mighty. Help us, O Lord, our God. For we rely on you. We lean on you. You are our support. You're the one that's going to help us. We're powerless against the mighty. And in your name, he said, we have come against this vast army. O oh Lord, you are our God. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me because I can lean on you. You know, if I knew how to sing, I'd sing that song for you, Lean On Me. Got any takers? Oh, no. The second part of this staff, besides support, is something that we probably would remember, this idea of guidance, right? You know, you've got the, the crook and the staff there, and and they would kind of grab a hold of the sheep and, and kind of pull it back where it needs to be. That, that kind of ties in a little bit with the discipline, right, and correction. But, but, you know, sheep wander. Did you know that? They're not all that smart. And they wander, and, and uh, <clears throat> the Lord has means he has ways to bring us back into the path and that's something that that he can do and there's a comfort in that there's there's a security in that 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 we have a shepherd who's keeping an eye out for me like where are you he knows where you are you know as again as a parent that you know you're always worried about where are my kids where are you you go to a you know, a public place with a whole bunch of people. Where, where are my kids? You, you know, you're trying to keep an eye on where are they. But the Lord has always got his eye on us because he delights in you. He wants this relationship with you. He has this love for you. He's, he knows where you are. 
He knows what your name is, and he wants to keep you in, in, in close proximity. He wants to keep you close to himself. I think that should bring us comfort, that the Lord wants me near him. He wants me near him. So thinking about this now, your rod and your staff, they comfort me. They, all these things, he says, bring comfort, his protection, his discipline or correction, his support and his guidance. They bring comfort to me. Now, I don't know about you, but I wouldn't have put that on a list of, of ways to find comfort. But the Bible says that the Lord's ways are not our ways. Are they? Are they a little bit higher than our ways? How much higher are they? As far as the heavens are above the earth, that's how much higher His ways are than our ways. Now, if you had to compare your ways and His ways, which do you think might be the most correct? Most often. Which one do you think? Someone said your ways. Someone said that. No. He's a God who cares and a God who brings comfort. Let's, let's finish the, this study thinking about comfort because, because this idea of strength, this idea of support, this idea of, of bringing us to uh, uh, consolation, uh, the, the word in the Hebrew word, and I found this how? Blue letter Bible. Blue letter Bible. It literally means to sigh. Your, your rod and your staff, they comfort me. It's like, like when you uh, all of a sudden, you know, <coughs> excuse me, <coughs> you, you can sigh and you can just take a deep breath. Why? Because God is there. God is there and God is going to take care of you. There's comfort in that. That's exactly what the word means here. Psalm 86, uh, the writer there, he says, Oh Lord, you have helped me and you have comforted me. Psalm 119, he says, My comfort in my suffering is this, your promise preserves my life. The promises of God, the word of God in that time of suffering. Psalm 119, 71, uh, verse 76, he says, May your unfailing love be my comfort. Your unfailing love, my comfort. I want you to turn with me now to the book of Isaiah. For some reason, the book of Isaiah uses this idea of comfort over and over again. I want you to turn to Isaiah chapter 12. We're going to look at a, a few different passages in Isaiah as we close thinking about this idea of comfort. Uh, Isaiah chapter 12. Let's start in verse 1. It's a short chapter. Again, only six, six verses. He says, In that day you will say, I will praise you, O Lord, although you were angry with me. Your anger has turned away, and you have comforted me. You have comforted me. Verse 2, surely God is my salvation. I will trust and not be afraid. The Lord, the Lord is my strength and my song. He has, has, he has become my salvation. 
The Lord is my strength and my song, and He has become my salvation. With joy you will draw water from the wells of salvation. You have comforted me. And, and he says that, and then immediately he, say, he talks about God being his salvation. God is going to take away the fear. God is going to bring me joy. God is my strength. God is my song. He's my salvation. How about chapter 40 of Isaiah? Isaiah chapter 40, if you'll turn there with me. Isaiah chapter 40. In verse 1 and 2, he says this, Comfort comfort my people, says your God. Speak tenderly to Jerusalem and proclaim to her that her hard service has been completed, that her sin has been paid for, that she has received from the Lord's hand double for all her sins. The Lord says, Comfort my people. How? And why? Because the, the things that they have gone through are finished, but, but not, not even that. It says that their sin has been paid for. He goes on uh, in that chapter to speak about the voice of one calling in the desert, prepare the way for the Lord, which is obviously about who? John the Baptist speaking about who preparing the way for who? For Jesus, right? And so the, the Savior would come, and He's the one who's going to pay for our sin. He's the one who is going to take care of our sin for us. Look at verse 11 there in that chapter, though. It says, He, the sovereign Lord, He tends His flock like a shepherd. He gathers the lambs in His arms, and He carries them close to His heart. And He gently leads those that have young. He starts off, talking about comfort, and, and he has this in the very middle of the chapter. He, he's, a, he's a shepherd. We're talking about our good shepherd, the shepherd, the Lord is my shepherd. He carries them close to his heart. Isn't that what we've been seeing in the passages? And he gently leads those that have young. Jump down to the end of the chapter, verse 29. <clears throat> He gives strength to the weary, increases the power of the weak. Even youths grow tired and weary, and young men stumble and fall. But those who hope in the Lord or trust in the Lord will renew their strength. They will soar on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not be faint. Again, the idea, this idea of comfort, meaning strengthening, we see that in the beginning of chapter 40 and now here at the very end. When we get to this place of weariness, He will give us strength. He's going to give you strength when you get to that place, but He wants you to trust in Him. He wants you to hope in Him. That's what He wants from each one of us. One more, Isaiah chapter 49. Isaiah chapter 49. Some of you are already thinking about the comfort food. I got that. I'm almost done. The crock pots are busy. Isaiah chapter 49, verse 13. Shout for joy, O heavens. 
That's kind of a cool picture, isn't it? The heavens shouting for joy. Rejoice, O earth, the earth rejoicing. Burst into song, O mountains. Wow. Why? For the Lord comforts His people and will have compassion on His afflicted ones. That's pretty incredible, isn't it? Shouting, rejoicing, song, and not just people, but, but the whole creation. Why? Because the Lord comforts His people. Now, do we always know that? Do we always get that? No, we don't. Look at verse 14, but Zion said, the Lord has forsaken me. The Lord has forgotten me. Sometimes we feel that way. The Lord's not comforting me. He's got no compassion for me. He's forgotten all about me. He doesn't know, he doesn't know where I am. He doesn't know who I am. He doesn't know what I'm going through. He doesn't even care about it. He's too busy. Don't bother God because he's too busy doing, you know, taking care of this or that or the other thing. But look what... It says in verse 15, Can a mother forget the baby at her breast and have no compassion on the child she has born? This is what the Lord says. Though she may forget, I will not forget you. See, I have engraved you on the palms of my hands. Your walls are ever before me. Speaking about Israel, of course, but, but I think it's definitely true for you and I as well that the Lord would never forget you. The Lord would never forsake you. In fact, we know and we've been seeing it that He says, hey, I will never leave you nor forsake you. Never, never, never. And never means what? Never. You don't even have to go to any Greek or Hebrew to find out what never means because never just means never. He's never going to leave you. Never going to forsake you. I'll close with this verse from 2 Corinthians chapter 1. And I think I have it on the screen if I remember correctly, and I do. I amaze myself sometimes. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of compassion and the God of some comfort, all comfort, who comforts us, in all or some, all our troubles, so that we can comfort those in any trouble with the comfort that we ourselves have received from God. He's the God of all comfort. He is the God of all comfort, the Father of compassion. And He comforts us in all of our troubles. But notice this, He says that we can also comfort other people with the comfort that we have received from Him. We can comfort other, other people. I like that. One, one, one thing I noticed, this word, I don't know if you remember this, when I, uh, <clears throat> this word rod, um, I said it was used 190 times, and 34 times it was used as, translated as the word rod and ten times as the word scepter. You remember that? Some of you remember that far back, like 20 minutes ago. Um, but 140 times that word is translated as clan or tribe. 
That's interesting. 140 times translated as clan or tribe. So, Because the idea, again, this idea of branch off, so this clan or this tribe, you know, would branch off this tribe or this clan and the tribes of Israel, the clans. And, but, but it made me think, too, and I know it, you know, he's talking about the rod, the rod, you know, your rod and your staff, they comfort me. But I think there is a sense where the, the clan and the tribes of the Lord, which is his people, which are his people, you and I, where he will use us to comfort one another. And that's what we see here in, in uh, 2 Corinthians. Sometimes he uses us to protect, to correct, to give support, right? To give guidance. He uses us. He uses us, his people, his clan, his tribe. That's, I found that kind of interesting. 140 times out of 190 translated as clan or tribe. So your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Your protection, your discipline, your support, your guidance, your rod, and your staff, they comfort me. So the question that I started with, you know, you need comfort, where do you go? And is it going to look like what you think it's going to look like? No. But I think it's going to look better. You know? Why? Because our Father, He knows what's best, and He is the God of all comfort. Let's pray, shall we? Our gracious Heavenly Father, you are the God of all comfort. You are the Father of compassion. You care for each one of us very, very deeply. And, and, and you want to bring comfort. You want to bring strength to us. And you, Lord, we, we say right now, do it. We surrender. We, we, we say, do it in whatever way that you want to do it. Do it in your way, not my way, because my way is not the best way. Ninety-nine times out of a hundred, I, I, I don't really have a clue, but, but you have got it 100 out of a hundred. You know what's best for me. I'm just a sheep. I'm just a, a, a simple little uh, ignorant sometimes, wandering sometimes. I'm just a sheep, and, and Lord, I need you. I need you to be my shepherd, to comfort me, to, to bring me, and, and to take care of me. I'm not afraid to admit it. My pride, uh, I, I don't have any pride on that. I need you, Lord. I need you. And, and each of us, as your sheep, we need you, Lord. We need you. We need even your rod and your staff. And we find comfort in them. Lord, you know the people in this room today, you know each one of us, the things we're going through, Lord, you say you comfort us in all of our troubles. Lord, I pray you would, in a very real and a very powerful way, bring uh, by your presence the Holy Spirit, which John makes clear is the comforter. By your Holy Spirit, uh, reach into their lives, Lord, I pray right now, and, and trust you to show them your comfort, Lord in the middle of whatever it is, whatever trouble, whatever trial, whatever grief, whatever pain, whatever sorrow. Father, by your Holy Spirit, do a work. Encourage, strengthen, console, bring hope, bring healing, 
Father, we, we thank you for your word, Lord. And, and again, I do thank you for my friends, my companions here who fear you and love your word. Fear you and follow your word. Maybe, Lord, there's some here today. I don't know every person here. There's some that need to get right with God, and, and uh, maybe that's you, and you can, you can do it here today, this morning, through Jesus, by Jesus, asking Him to be your shepherd, to be your Lord. You can pray. You can pray with me right now and say, Lord, I'm just lost. I, I need a shepherd. I need help. I need hope. So I ask you to come into my life. If, if what this guy's saying is true, what these people believe is true, Lord, show yourself to me. Come into my life and be my shepherd, be my Lord, and be my Savior today here. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Let's all stand and sing together, shall we?